Oh, I know I say this every Sunday. Um, I don't care because these guys are up here. They work really hard. But I, I you know, as a pastor, I, I preach, obviously, most of the time. And, and I, but I come to church to worship with you. And, and I can really worship with, with the people that are up here because not only are they so incredibly talented, gifted by God, I know their hearts, and so I'm able to kind of be drawn in to the the music and the words and and their and their excitement. You see, you know, Tony just kind of it just it's fun to watch him. I worship when I when I watch them play. And that last song is kind of uh, it's our Grace Chapel song. You know, it's something it was it was, Jen wrote that, and we sing it together as a body and. I just I just really enjoy myself listening to to our uh, our worship band and our praise team. They do such a wonderful job. You know what? For the next six weeks, we are in a new series. That last one was pretty long, but it was uh, it was enjoyable. But we're in a new series called "What on Earth Am I Here For?" What on earth am I here for? About seventy percent of what we're going to talk about in this series is actually going to take place in our in our life groups. So I really want to encourage you once again, if you have not uh, joined, uh, signed up or been a part of a life group, I want to in, in, uh, encourage you to do that. If you would, just for a moment, take out your family news bulletin. Inside there is a little, a little flyer. And there's a list of life groups that you can become a part of. So please just take that out for a second and just look at that list. Um, and consider, if you would, being a part of a life group even for the next six weeks. Because this series could literally change the course of your life. The things, the things that we'll be talking about, not only on Sunday mornings, but throughout the week. We have a men's group that meets at 7 o'clock on Wednesday mornings at Kid Coffee, not the one here on 42, but the one on Tylersville. So if you'd like to join us and um, be a part of that group, you can do that as well. But we're going to be talking about these subjects. You know, how, what is my purpose in life, my calling in life, how God has designed me. These are all extremely important discussions that we all need to have. So that's what we're going to be talking about for the, the next six weeks and this morning. So one of the most loved passages in all of Scripture is Romans 8.28. Romans 8.28 says, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Purpose and calling go together. Our purpose and our calling are linked. If I were to say to you, what's the first thing you think of in your mind when I say the word call? Get a call, uh, you know, receive a call or or call someone or called. Usually think of a telephone, right? I don't know about you, but when, uh, when I don't know who's calling, I don't like to answer my phone. I only like to answer my phone if I could see who's calling. Because for me, it's usually either someone selling me something or it's bad news. I don't know about you, but that's kind of what it was to me. We got rid of our house phone pretty much because I never got personal calls at home. In, in two or three years, no one really called me at home for a personal thing. It all became people you know, who wanted to sell something or you answer the phone and it's someone you have to say, well, listen, I don't want to talk to you right now. I'm too, I'm too busy. I don't want to hear what you're trying to sell me. But instead, what if, it, what if, what if this happened to you? Someone was trying to call you to tell you that you just inherited $50 million. Wouldn't you want to take that call? That'd be a call you'd want to receive. You don't want to miss that call. What if God called you? What if God called you? You see, the reality is, the Bible tells us that God 
has called us. God has called us. You have been called according to his purpose. Each one of us has been called according to the purpose of God. What does that mean? So what, what, is, what does it mean? Called in the Greek is the word kaleo. Kaleo. It sounds like call. It means God is calling you. God is calling you. Most of the time, it's talking about your assignment in life, your purpose in life, your mission in life, what God has specifically created you to do. It's God's calling. He's called you according to his purpose. He has a purpose for your life specifically. If you're sitting here this morning and you're breathing, God has a purpose for your life. He has called you according to his purpose. The Bible is filled with stories. It's really a story about God calling people. God called Noah. God called Abraham and Abraham responded. God called Moses to to tell him what his purpose was for his life and Moses responded. God called Nehemiah, Nehemiah the builder. He responded. God called Isaiah and he called Jeremiah and he called Ezekiel and he called Daniel and he called Hosea and he called Joel and he called David. God in the Old Testament called people. He was constantly calling. Think about it. These are all stories about God calling men and women, calling them to fulfill the purpose for for which he's created and designed them. In the New Testament, God called Peter, Paul, and Mary. He called them. If you snickered even the slightest bit, you're really old. (laughs) You're old, man. You're old. (laughs) You're all sitting there trying to be real cool about it. You're you're beautiful on Mary. (laughs) You're old. How many of you remember bread? Remember bread? Yeah. I mean, if you're younger, you probably don't remember bread, but... Us old folks, we remember bread. I remember just sitting around and I'm just, you know, relaxing and just, and especially when it was raining or in the thunder and lightning and just putting bread on and just kind of sitting back. I have no idea why I'm telling you. This just, you know, came to my mind because you said, we said Peter, Paul, and Mary. I thought of bread. God has a call on every single person's life. Now, now here's the thing. The question is, how do you specifically fulfill that call? How is it that we specifically, in and of ourselves, you know, each individual, how do we fulfill that call that God has on our lives? This is extremely important. Because if you can understand your purpose, if you understand God's call in your life, it gives you incredible hope. I mean, I don't know about you, but my life many times goes through ups, ebbs and flows, ups and downs. It's just the way of life. Sometimes, you know, this week on Monday, we were having an elders meeting. And I like having elders. In some churches, people don't, pastors don't like elders meetings. I love elders meetings. I love our elders. They're incredible men. And we're sitting around having an elders meeting. And within 10 or 15 minutes of the elders meeting, that was going so well, because we're talking about all the things that God is doing in the church and how financially we're doing. We're doing wonderful. And the church is growing and all the things that we're planning. And, and someone calls me on the phone. See, that's why I don't like to answer my phone. But it was actually Kevin, so I answered it because I knew who it was. And he said, um, one of the pipes burst in the back of the Grace Impact Center. Now, if, when our pipes burst, it's not a leak. It's a, it's, 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 a, it's a hose about that big. It's a metal pipe. And when those things burst, 
um, the water is incredible. We probably lost $500 worth of water during the time it was leaking out. Or I could have shot the thing from here and hit that wall on a fly easily. And so it's coming out, and all I'm thinking is, he said it was, quote, everywhere. Now, where it burst was the back of the building, and the soccer field is right next to it. And I'm thinking everywhere means all the soccer field. There are hundreds of people in the building right now. Fire department's been called, blah, blah, blah. And it just, you know, it was a, it was a bummer. It went from, yay, I'm doing it, having an elders meeting, to the water's everywhere. Right? That's life. That's what we got to fix. It's totally fine. Didn't, it didn't leak on this. Everybody's thinking, did it leak the soccer field? No. It, it actually, the way the building was designed for, thank God for this one, because our building is designed where all the water runs into it. But on the inside, it ran out. So I was very happy about that. So it went from ebbs and flows. We go through ebbs and flows in our lives. We go through the ups and downs. We go through struggles in our lives. And, and if you don't have, if you don't understand your purpose, if you don't understand that you've been called by God, designed by God for something specific in your life, then you're not going to have the hope that you need to go through those ups and downs. It's when you can look to the future and say, you know what? Who cares if the pipe bursts? We're going to get through this together. You know, God has, God's not going to let us, you know, not going to let everything just be ruined by a broken pipe or God, you know, I can get through the downtime of my life because I know God is with me. And even if it's for a longer season, I have hope because I know God has a purpose and a plan for my life. And regardless of what happens, God is going to work all things together for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. It gives us hope. When you know your calling, you, you, you discover the incredible blessing that you've been missing. I mean, so many of us walk around on this earth and we really don't know why we're here. So many people have no idea. Our culture is so messed up right now because you have a bunch of people running around having no idea why they exist. And so they come up with all kinds of things to make their lives significant. You think that, I'm not going to pick on scientists, okay, but the reality, you think these people sometimes, not just scientists, other people, well, they would never make things up. They do make things up. Why? Because they want to make their lives significant. They want to leave their, quote, mark. They have no idea why they're here, so they want, they want to create some significance in life, but they never are able to accomplish that. They truly never understand what, are the, what is the meaning of life. What is the purpose of my life? What has God designed me to do? And that's why our culture is so messed up. That's why people are running around. You're going, what on earth is happening here? The reason I'm so excited about the next six weeks is we're going to have the time to help you understand, both here on Sunday mornings and in our life group, what your purpose is, why God has called you, why you were designed that's why I'm so excited about teaching this series. So let's look, let's look at four things that we need to know from the Word of God about our calling in life. Four things we need to know. Why God has put us on this earth. Now, there are obviously more than four things, okay? More than four. But with our time this morning, we, don't, we can't get through them all. And that's why I want to encourage you once again to get connected to a life group because we'll go over them more there. Also, we'll try to pick up on some of these things as we go forward on Sunday mornings. All right, the first thing. The first thing we learn from the Bible is this. My calling, my calling is a gift from God. My calling is a gift from God. I don't earn it. I don't deserve it. I didn't work for it. It is flat out a gift of God's grace. 
It is God's grace given to me and given to you. It is his present. He has given us a present from him to us. Galatians tells us we were called according to God's grace. We are called by God's grace. God in his grace has called us. So what is grace? God is, God is grace. It's, it's, it's God's un, it's undeserved. Grace is undeserved kindness. Undeserved kindness. It's, it's God not giving you what you deserve, but giving you what you need. He gave us what we need, not what we deserve. Because if he gave, if he gave us what we deserve, none of us would be here. So God in his grace gives us what we need. He calls us. He uses us. He's purposed our lives. He's designed our lives by his grace. Your calling and your salvation go together. When you were called to Christ, you were also called for a purpose. They go together. In 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9, 2 Timothy 1, 9, it says this. He saved us. And he called us, they go together, salvation and calling go together, to a holy life, not because of anything that we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace, not because of what you've done. You see, some people, they don't really get that, but this is a good thing. It's not about you. God, before the creation of the world, God, before you were even born, designed you and created you for a specific purpose. It's not about, it's not about what you have to earn it. You have to, you deserve, you deserve it. You, you work for it. No, you don't. He called you to salvation in Christ. And when he did, he called you to a specific purpose. So you have that purpose. It's a part of God's grace. It's a part of how he designed us. And I want you to focus on the word purpose in that verse, because it leads to our, to our second point of what the word of God is trying to teach us. Number two, I am called for God's purpose. Now, this is another reason that our culture and our church, not just Grace Chapel, but the church as a whole, sometimes gets itself into trouble and is so confused about the subject. Because we have to understand that God, we were called for God's purpose. Not mine, but God's. I'm not called to my plan I'm called to God's plan. It's about him. It's God's plan. God did, God did not make you for you. God did not make you for you. Do, you. do you really think that God created you to live for yourself, to be self-centered? Do you really think it's about me? You personally, do you think this life is really, it's all about me? Are you, real, are you kidding? Do you really believe that God created you? God designed you? God purposed you? God called you? God, for, just for yourself? And see, you say, well, of course not. But we say, of course not. The world certainly says, well, of course. But some Christians would say, of course not. But the reality is that is how we are living. You were made by God and you were made for God. Each of us was made by God and for God. And until we understand that, this life is going to make no sense at all. And you are going to be either bored or frustrated or both. If you have to understand that you were created by God and for God. And when you don't understand that and you look at the culture out there and you don't ask the question anymore, why are they the way they are? Because they're completely frustrated. The, 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 the question of all existence, the question that we've been asking from the beginning of time, what is the meaning of life? They have no answer. 
they're either bored or they're frustrated. And so we come up with our own reasoning. It's all about me. I'm God or whatever you want to do. You know, I'm the most important thing in the universe and I have to figure out. You know, people say I have to go. I just need you. Your self-help books will tell you you've got to look deep inside to find your purpose and the meaning of life. You can look as deep as you want to into yourself. You're not going to find it. You know why? Because it's not about you. God's the one who gave you, who called you. God's the one who purposed you. God's the one who designed you. And it is God, the only one, who can tell you what your meaning, what the meaning of life is and what your purpose is. I am called for God's purpose to fulfill his plans, not my plans. You have a unique design. You are uniquely created by God to do something with your life. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, it says this, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This verse is filled with truth, filled with truth. First, it says that we are God's workmanship. We are God's workmanship. The word in the Greek is poema. It's where we get the word poem. You are God's poem. You are God's workmanship. You are his work of art. You are God's masterpiece. That's what it's talking about here. God designed you. You are a masterpiece of God. And he's going to use you to fulfill all that he has for you to do on this earth. You are a masterpiece. Well, some of you sitting back right now and thinking, you know what? I do not feel like God's masterpiece. That's ridiculous. The person next to me is a masterpiece. You might be a masterpiece. That person might be a masterpiece. Billy Graham might be a masterpiece, but I am certainly not a masterpiece. And if you think that, you are, you are sorely mistaken. You do not understand the value that God places on your life. You really don't understand grace, and you don't understand the value that God has uniquely placed in and on your life. Jesus Christ suffered and died on the cross Arms stretched out open wide for you. That's how valuable you are to God. We have five grandkids. Deb and I have five grandkids. And whenever any of our grandkids leave the house, Deb says the same thing to them. She says, how much does Grammy love you? And they'll, re- and they'll respond. Cause she's taught them to respond. And they, they, say, so, they open their arms. They say, so much. So much. And in the car uh, two days ago, without even asking, Liam was in the back seat saying, Grammy loves me so much. He loves me so much. He loves me so much. God loves you so, so much. Jesus Christ loves you so much. Jesus, arms open wide, is saying to you, you are so valuable to me. You're so valuable that I died on a cross for you. You know what's amazing that Jesus died hanging on a cross with his arms open wide? I don't think that's a coincidence. I don't think that's just something that happened in history. There's a purpose behind it. To say to each one of us, that he died for you. This is, how, this is how much I love you so much. I love you so much. You're a, you're a poem. You're my poem. You're my work of art. You are my masterpiece. You're a masterpiece. You're a masterpiece of God. But you will never, ever achieve what God has for you unless you understand that. 
We don't want it. We don't want to miss it. We want to fulfill our calling. We want to completely fulfill our calling. I said last week that I know who I am. I know, and I had people coming up to me and calling me and saying, well, gosh, I mean, I, that's amazing you would say that because I have no idea who I am. I have no idea. But here's the reality. I know who I am. I know who God has designed me to be. I know God has called me. I know God has purposed me. But I know who God has designed me to be. I know areas of my life I really need to work on. That's true. But I know who I am. And if I know who I'm designed to be, what I need to do is I need to live that out in every area of my life. Once I understand who God has designed me to be, I need to live that out in every area of my life. Parents, we need to be a little bit careful when we're raising our children. What happens sometimes is parents live vicariously through their children. That's a mistake. They're not you. You're two different human beings. They were designed by God for a specific purpose. You need to help them find their design. You need to raise them up in the way they should go. You should help them go in that direction. You can't make them in your image. You need to create them, help them become more like Jesus Christ. They were designed for a specific purpose. Don't try to live through them or try to push them in a place where they shouldn't go or shouldn't be. Try to understand how they were created, how they were designed, and allow them the freedom, allow them the time, even the time, to reflect and find out what God has for their particular lives. We are a masterpiece. Here's something else. You, can, you, you, you cannot fulfill all that God has for you if you're listening to everyone else, if you're, if you're listening to what everyone else tells you you should be. I mean, some, some people, especially teenagers, and I, and I know I'm 50 years old, I admit it, I admit it, and so I don't understand the, the way I used to, but I, honestly, I, I still, I think about it, and I understand the pressure that you're under in school to kind of go along with the crowd, but if you're going along with the crowd, how can you fulfill and become the person that God has created you to be if you're being who some, the person that someone else wants you to be? Someone else is telling you how to act and how to dress and how to walk and how to talk and who to talk to and everything else. How can you be the person that God designed you to be? How can you fulfill your purpose? And, and you say, well, I can fulfill my purpose once I get out of baloney. This is your time. This is your time right now. You are purposed by God from birth until death. And God wants to use you. You cannot allow someone else to tell you who you are. You need to be the person that God designed you to be. And I know this for sure, too, and I know it's more difficult than what I'm saying, but I'm telling you the truth. In a few years, you won't even remember these people's names, most of them. And they're dictating your destiny right now. And you won't even remember who they are. They won't matter. Most of them won't matter at all. But right now, they have more influence on who you are than Jesus Christ. That can't happen. You are too valuable. You are too valuable to God, and God has a plan and a purpose for your life right now. Right now. We need to live that out. Or guess what? You're not going to fulfill the be- all the beauty that God has for your life. You're not going to fulfill the greatness that God has for your life and everything he's designed you to do. It's just not going to happen. Now, the Bible talks about good works. Those good works are our contribution to this world. 
You were not put on this earth to be born, to breathe, to just exist, and then to die. That's not why you were put here. You were put here for a specific reason. You weren't put here just to consume. Think about our culture right now and the mess that we're in. The thought process is consume. You were not just put here to consume. You were put here to contribute. Each one of us was put here to contribute with our lives. The Bible calls our contribution, our good works, our specific good works as part of your calling. And here's the cool thing. Here's the really cool thing. We all have different good works. My contribution, my good works are different than your contribution and your good works. Each one of us was put here on this earth specifically to impact certain lives and influence those around us. There are people in your life that I cannot influence. Even if I had the opportunity, I couldn't influence in the way you can influence them because God designed you and purposed you and called you to influence them. This is so important. Remember the last series Touch one, we talked about, we said this in the very beginning. I said it's one of the first sermons in that series. I said, you are not the only one who needs you to believe this. And I say it again. What I'm talking about this morning, you are not the only one who needs you to believe this. God has a plan for you to impact the lives of others. And we need to fulfill that plan. We need to do it. We need to do it. We need to do it together. I said this uh, a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, as a pastor, you get up and say, hey, you know, the church really needs you. And, but, you know, I think to myself, if, if someone said the church really needs you, what does that mean? I, I mean, it's a, the walls need you or, you know what I mean? I want to make it more personal. I personally need each one of you to live out your purpose. I need you. As the, as the senior pastor of the church and the other staff of the church, we, we need you. We can't do this alone. Let me tell you something. This church has, is, is, is doing well in so many areas. I've, I've been the pastor here for 13 years. And this is, this is the, I mean, we are, we are in a place right now we've never been before. And God has things on the horizon. We can do extraordinary things together. I promise you. What we've done the past 13 years and all the things that we've accomplished, the things that we've launched, the, 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 the influence that we've had around our own community and around the world, pale in comparison to what God's going to do over the next few years. But it will never happen unless every single one of us, we're all working together unless you use your gifts, your talents, and your abilities. And that is not just some preach thing, I'm just going to throw it out here during a sermon. It is so important that each one of you understand that you were called by God to impact and influence other people's lives and to influence something on this earth to build the kingdom of God, to further the cause of Jesus Christ. I want to be in this battle with you. We as a staff want to be in this battle with you, but we need everyone engaged together if we're going to make it happen. Number three, this is, I love this one. My sins and my mistakes don't change my call. Someone say amen. You're darn right, because every one of you would be in big trouble if that, if that were not the case, okay? I'm with you. I'm, this is a good one. My sins and mistakes don't change my call. It doesn't matter how messed up 
I have been in the past. doesn't matter what kind of mistakes I have made. Uh, it will not change my call. It's not only that. It's not only it's how much I've messed up, but other people have mess, tried to mess up my life as well, mess up around me. All those things don't really matter when it comes to God's call because God has called you. It doesn't matter how many dumb things you have done in your life, in your past. It does not change God's call upon your life. It doesn't change it. It is permanent. God's call is permanent. God's call will not change. He doesn't change his mind and say, well, you know, gosh, you really, uh, I don't know about you. A great example of this is Paul. Think of Paul. Man, Paul was a nasty person. He was nasty, running around persecuting Christians, doing all these things. But God called him to be an apostle. Think about that. For with everything that Paul did, God called him to be an apostle. God called him in First Peter, in First Timothy. I'm sorry, First Timothy, chapter one, verses twelve and thirteen. It says this: I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength, that He considered me faithful, appointing me to His service, even though I was once a blasphemer, and a persecutor, and a violent man. I was shown mercy. Remember, we talked about grace. I was shown mercy because of because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. God still used him. God called him to be an apostle. So how many of you would raise your hand right now and you'd say, I did some really stupid things when I was growing up. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. I did some really stupid things when I was growing up. You know, I say, congratulations. That was apostle training. You, you, were God, you were being trained to be an apostle, right? God's going to use all those dopey, dumb, stupid... I, I know I shouldn't say stupid, but I'm using it in a biblical way. Uh, for, all you, for you younger ones, saying, well, mommy's not supposed to say stupid, but I, I, I'm using it in a, in, a, in a very holy way. So don't use it at home if you're not supposed to say stupid. But we've done all those things growing up, but God used that for apostle training because if not, we're in big trouble. My brother has kind of his own thing. And when my brother does something really dopey, he raises his hand, and that means I'm an idiot. So if he wants to stop the argument. If he wants to kind of be forgiven, he just basically lowers his head and raises his hand, and I'm an idiot. Kind of says everything, you know, lays it all out. Because God can, God, God can use it, and if God can't use it, we made some mistakes, we're all in big trouble. I don't know about you, but you're going back to your, your teenage years. I remember one time it snowed, and we got a snow day. It was in New York, and it snowed a lot. And the roads, you know, they were kind of packed down. The snow was about packed down this thick. And I thought to myself, in my brilliant 14, 15-year-old mind, I thought, wouldn't it be fun if I grabbed a hold of my friend's bumper and went skiing on the back of his bumper? And then when you're 14 or 15, that was a great idea. And so I'm hanging onto the back of the mirror, I'm scooting along and everything, and it started going fast, and then my brain started kicking in. And my brain's saying, he's going really fast, and something bad could happen. And so I let go, not understanding all the, the physical nature of life, that if I let go, I'm going to slow down. My, my head and everything's going to go forward. And I, I fell forward, landed on my face, and my brilliant 14-year-old friend running behind me fell on my head. So I'm laying in the, in the street in the snow with the blacktop underneath it. Thank God there was some snow there. But he fell 180 pounds falling, falling right on my head face first into the snow. Let's just say that my poor face didn't look too good for the next few days. I was just, it was nasty. And I could just see God in heaven going, 
Golly, Ned, I can't use him. <laughs> and Jesus going, no kidding, you know. And the Holy Spirit, oh, they're all in favor, you know. I can't use Greer. Holy mackerel, what a dope. Hanging on to a back of a bumper. Good grief. You're all laughing, but if I walked you up here one after another, you'd be like, oh, uh, I, uh, uh, you know. We'd all have it. But God doesn't do that. God uses us. He actually builds that. I could just see him laughing. He's not going to die. Watch this. No. Um, <laughs> he'll heal. He'll use it in about 40 years in a sermon or whatever. Um, <laughs> before I knew I was, was going to be a Christian. But God uses that in his plan. He uses those things in his plan. I think that's amazing. I love that about God. I mean, you think of Paul. You think of the fact that he was a murderer. You think of David. You think of the fact that he was a murderer. And God still used them. I love, I love this about God. I love this about him. He fits everything into his plan. Even my sin, even my mistakes that I've made in the past. All of those decisions, those bad... How many of us can raise our hand and say, not just sins, but just bad decisions that we've made in the past? And God says, oh no, I can, I can fit those all into my plan. I can work everything out for the good of those who love me and have been called according to my purpose. Nothing can thwart the will of God. Not only do your mistakes, which I love, and my mistakes and sins... Not only are they, can they, they, they not thwart the will of God, but what other people, the sin in other people's lives that they've inflicted upon me cannot stop and change God's will for my life. I mean, some of you have gone, you, you feel right now, you feel a, a bit bruised. You feel battered. Man, you feel beat up by the world. Maybe it's because someone walked out on you. Maybe it's because someone rejected you or betrayed you. Some of you have been through horrendous circumstances in your life, being molested and even worse. Some, some things you sit back and say, oh my gosh, how, you, how, do, how did I even survive some of those things in my life? And it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart as a pastor just to think about it. Some of the things that the people in this, in this church and the people around our community, that what they've been through in their lives. But here is a biblical truth. None of that changes even in the slightest bit your value and your calling by God. None of that, none of what, what someone else inflicted upon you doesn't change your value at all. It doesn't change anything about your value. As a matter of fact, God can use you in a powerful way. He says, I, I, what they did to you, I will, I will turn the bad into something good. All things, all things work together for the good of those who love me and have been called according to my purpose. You see, that's the plan of God. Out there in the world, they're running around like chickens with their head chopped off trying to figure out the meaning of life. They can't apply any of these things, but in our lives, with Christ in our hearts, we can use all of them because God says, you have value. Nothing is going to change that. Nothing's going to change that. You are God's workmanship. You are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works. That's the truth. That's the end of the story. And nothing changes that. Remember Chuck Colson? Chuck Colson was kind of a right-hand guy to President Nixon. And he got himself involved. He was way up here. He was a man, boy. He was powerful. Got himself involved in a scandal called Watergate. Remember that? Watergate. Now it'd probably be like mm, sweeping under the rug, but back then it was a big deal. It, was big, it is a big deal. But I just look at it now and go, 
Gosh, they do that almost every other day probably. But he was involved in a scandal and ended up being put in prison. So he went from here to here. He's in prison, comes to Christ, and he realizes as he's going through this, he says, you know, people in prison need to know the Lord. They need to know the Lord. So he starts prison fellowship. So it's in over 100 or 50, 150 or 60 countries around the world. It has transformed millions of lives. Here's what's cool. God knew, God knew that Chuck Colson was going to go from this position to this position and back up again. He knew it. And he said, I'm going to design this into my plan. I'm going, to, I'm going to take this tragedy. I'm going to take the ups and downs, the good, the bad, the ebbs and flows. I'm going to make that a part of my plan. Nothing's going to thwart my will. Listen, to me tell you something. Satan, the enemy, cannot steal your calling. No other human on the planet can steal your calling, can thwart the will of God. God won't because he's purposed and designed you. It's part of his will. It is permanent. God says, I've given it to you permanently. The Bible says in Romans chapter 11, verse 29, for God's gift and his call, listen, are irrevocable. I love that word. Irrevocable. They are permanent. They cannot be taken away from you. When God calls you and designs you to do something in your life, his call is irrevocable. They cannot be taken away. So what does this verse, this Romans 1 11, 29, teach us? Well, here's one thing it teaches us. It teaches us that if, if your calling is permanent, that means your calling is not your job. It's not your job. How many people have, not raise your hand, but how many people have been fired? How many people have lost their jobs? How many people have been laid off? How many people have changed their jobs? How many people have been unemployed? Whatever the case may be. And people, when they lose their job, sometimes they think, I have no purpose in my life. I lost my purpose. I lost my calling. That's not true. Your job is not your calling. Now, here's the thing. Really cool. And especially at Grace Chapel, we can help you with this a lot because we're kind of on the leading edge of this in marketplace ministry. But you can use your calling and your purpose and your design within your job. Whatever your job is, you can use your purpose, your calling, and your design in your job. God can use you. And if you want to learn how, you want to learn how, you can, there's, in your bulletin, there's a flyer for At Work on Purpose. There's a conference coming up. You can go there. You can talk to Chuck Prophet, one of our elders in the church. Chuck, are you here? I thought I saw you. Chuck's right here. Okay, Chuck started At Work on Purpose. He was birthed out of Grace Chapel. It's one of the largest marketplace ministries in the country, if not the world. And we can help you understand what your purpose is. And how God can use your job, whatever it is, whatever you find yourself, if it's transitional, whatever it is, God can still use your purpose and your calling within your job. It's cool. I like it. Ron Toby's over the, it was over there, I think, I think it's second service. Is it second or first? First, okay. Ron's over there teaching a class, helping people understand these concepts. God can use us. Now, here's the, let me give you, make it more personal. If in 10 or 15 years, a government comes along and says, we've decided that anything this is like hate speech. So if, if I say something they don't agree with, it becomes hate speech, hate speech, and they leave me off to jail. They take me to jail. They haven't thwarted God's will in my life. They haven't taken away my calling or purpose in life. They haven't cut, taken away what God has designed me to do. And some people say, what are you talking about? Of course they have. You're no longer the pastor of Grace Chapel. Listen, that is, if they take me from here to prison, that's just changed my venue, not my calling. Remember what Paul did? 
Man, I'm going to tell you something. Paul was out there preaching the gospel, doing what he was called to do, doing what he was purposed to do, doing what he was designed to do. And they say, we don't like what you're doing. We're going to put you in prison. And they strapped him to a guard. Big mistake. Right? I mean, would you want to be strapped to Paul? Really? You think Paul's going, oh, boo-hoo, I'm in jail. I, I can't wait to get out to continue to do what God has called me to do. No, the guy's standing right next to me. He goes, hey, buddy. Do you know Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior? You know what I'm saying? The guy's like, you know, every guy that comes through, he's leading him to the Lord. Your, your vocation only changes your location. It doesn't change your purpose or calling. Your vocation only changes your location. It does not change your calling, your purpose in life. Now, I know it's kind of a little bit confusing, but we are going to talk more about this in the weeks to come through this series. We're going to help you understand all of these concepts, understand your purpose and your call and your, all these things. We'll help you in our life groups and also on Sunday mornings. So don't be discouraged at all if you can't figure it all out. Number four and last, God empowers what he calls me to do. Very important, okay? Remember they talked about God's grace. He's called you for himself. If he's called you for himself, he's going to empower you to do what he has called you to do. I love that. God's not going to call you to do something that he doesn't give you the power to do. So in other words, if God has given me an assignment in my life, he will enable me to do that. He will gift me to do that. He will equip me to do that. God is not going to ask me to do something that he doesn't give me the power to do. Just really quick, do do it when Andrew was asked when, they, when Jesus said, go feed all these people. He said, Lord, send them away. They're not going to be able to eat. And Jesus said, you feed them. You feed them. Andrew realized that God was not going to ask him to do something that he wasn't going to give him the power to do. Jesus wasn't, wasn't going to ask him to do something that he would not give him the ability and enable him to do. Here comes a little boy, a little couple loaves and fish, bang, 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 and he feeds 5,000, more actually than 5,000 people. Why? Andrew understood something that sometimes we don't. God's not going to ask us to do something, call us to do something, purpose us to do something, design us to do something that he's not going to give us the power to do. So here's how it works, simply. Once I understand that God has a call in my life, I need to commit myself to him. Once I understand, and you all understand that now, once you understand that God has a calling on your life, you need to commit yourselves to him. When I commit myself to God's calling, I say something like, God, I don't care how much time I have left on this earth. Whatever time that I have left on this planet, I want to use it to fulfill what you have called me to do. When we commit ourselves to God in that way, God then gives us the resources to do what he has asked us to do. He gives us the power to do what he's asked us to do. And you say, well, I'm not even sure what I'm asking him to do. doesn't matter. You know that he has called you. You know Christ. He called you. You know he's purposed you for a specific reason. You know he has a specific purpose for you to impact the lives of others. You know he's designed you in a specific way. Even if you can't figure that all out yet, you don't wait until you figure it all out. Make that commitment now that you're going to give your life to him completely 
to be Savior and Lord of your life, do that now because then he says, I will give you the resources and the power necessary to accomplish everything that I have called you to do. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1 says, I urge you to, give, to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. You have received a calling. I urge you as your pastor to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Notice it's call, the calling is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. And God wants you to live the life to which he's called you. He wants you to live that life. I have a prayer for every single one of you, for our entire church, for everyone who's listening when we, you know, online, whatever. I have a prayer for your life, and it comes from 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 11. With this in mind, everything we talked about, with this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may count you worthy of his calling and that by his power he may fulfill every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by your faith. This is going to be an exciting series here on Sunday mornings and in our life groups. You're going to learn more about yourself maybe than you've ever learned before. You're going to answer questions that you've had your entire life. And once those questions are answered, once you understand, you're going to be able to march forward with passion in your heart, with drive and desire in your heart to fulfill everything that God has for you. And God, if we commit to it as a body, as individuals and as a body, he will do it. Listen to what it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 24. The one who calls you, you, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. He will give you the power to accomplish everything that he has called and purposed for you to do. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this time that we can spend together. Lord God, I just pray. Oh, Lord, just the quietness of this room right now, I pray that you would touch people's hearts, that they would understand what you have designed them and created them to do. And Lord God, once they understand it, that they would apply that to every area of their lives, at home, in their families, at school, at work, in sports, in every area of their lives, Lord God, that you would help us apply your will your calling, your purpose to every area of our lives. And Lord, even those specific things that you call us to do, that you'll make those things plain to us. God, our goal in this life is to worship you. Our goal is to praise you. So as we close out this morning, Lord, that's what we want to do. We want to worship. We want to praise you. Change us from the inside out. Let us leave here today different than when we came in because of who you are and what you've done in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand with us as we-